cyber resilience is the ability to recover from an incident of some kind, whether it be ransomware, malware, loss of a file. Compliance is the ability to demonstrate to a third party, maybe your customers, maybe your bank, maybe your customers' customers. Compliance is the ability to demonstrate to them that you've got the processes in place to be resilient. Hi everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of Upwards. Today I'm joined by a recurring guest, uh, Dean Carter from Safe Advisory. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thank you. Pleasure to be here again. It's good to have you back. So Dean uh, Dean has been uh, involved in the security community for a really long time. He's had 20 years, over 20 years in the field. Uh, he's been at the forefront of helping organizations develop and implement robust security strategies and solutions. He's part of a growing, uh, he runs a growing uh, advisory firm called Safe Advisory, where he is the managing director. And Safe Advisory are also partners with Omnily, so which is partly why we're talking to you today. So. Dean has a long, uh, a lot of experience in the compliance, both in the compliance field uh, and now just in general advisory as well. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the differences between the two. So many companies face security compliance as as either a must-have or must-do, or a nice-to-have or kind of a must-have, somewhere in between that. And and it's often conflated with general security or cyber resilience. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between the two of those. What is cyber resilience? What is compliance? And how how do those two sometimes differ in ways that perhaps are not so obvious? And how can we think about doing both at once if that's the world that we live in? So great to have you here, Dean. Thank you uh, for coming on the show once again. Thanks for being a great supporter of what we're doing. My pleasure. Great product. Very good. Well, look, um, Dean, why don't you start by telling us a wee bit about you, about your background, you've been in this game a little while, uh, and how you got to be what you're doing right now. Sure. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and it's been precisely, you know, 60 seconds. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, started off doing system admin stuff that progressed to firewalls, that progressed to looking after e-commerce systems for a bank, uh, more firewalls, more routers, managed services, uh, then more into the consulting field. In particular, um, became a QSA, did, did a whole lot of PCI work for, for a number of years, uh, and then into more general consulting, just, just helping people achieve their security goals. Yeah, I think I first met you when you were a QSA, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, in a previous a previous role. And so I know you from that world, but obviously you've had a lot of different roles. Tell us a little bit about, you know, when I think about PC ideas, this I think about Dean Carter. <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, or just you know, maybe maybe you know, maybe that's not the what you want these days. But uh, I know you're you're you have a lot of experience with this. Tell us a little bit about how you got into how you got into that. And it's quite a, quite a specific role. Yeah. So I, I was working at securityassessment.com uh, way back in the day. And I, I was a consultant there. And we were getting a lot of PCI work. You know, PCI was a thing. Um, it's still a thing. Um, the, <laughs> banks, the banks were sending letters to the, the major providers going, hey, you know, you need to be compliant. And people were going, what do we do? And... You know, it's a, it's a large document. It's, you know, many, many pages long. I think the original version 
was 40 something pages long the current version is 300 pages long uh, it's pretty daunting for people especially when they're not technical especially smaller companies and yeah i guess the fact that i like technical things and the fact i like helping people combined um i read the document i learned what it really meant i did the training and yeah i i like helping people get compliant so i'm no longer a qsa but i do help a lot of clients get ready for when the qsa comes in because I know what they're going to ask for. I know what they're going to expect. Um, a lot of the time, if you throw the standard at your technical people, they will do the bare minimum or what they think is the bare minimum as opposed to doing the right thing. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and so I guess my job is to be devil's advocate in, in a lot of these situations and go, actually, that's good, but what you really need to do is X, Y, and Z and be able to demonstrate mm -hmm. it in USA. And yeah. I guess the, the biggest thing I learned in all my time of being a QSA is it's not just about achieving compliance once. It's not about chinning the bar once. It's about achieving it, maintaining it, and demonstrating it on an ongoing basis. And that's really hard, especially with you know the, the size of the compliance standard and all the other standards are, are long as well, mm -hmm. right? So maintaining compliance you know, 24 by 7 by 365 is hard, and that, that's where free plug here, but that's that's where tools like Onwardly come in handy, right? They make it easy to manage that massive information, that massive evidence that you need to maintain to demonstrate compliance. Sure, sure. Indeed. And and so that's a nice that's a nice sort of lead into the next question, Rhea, really was around, you know, you've had perhaps the, you know, you've had a experience definitely firmly in the compliance world and you you're sort of now you're out of that, you're in you know, you're running your own your own business, which is helping customers both uh, with compliance related stuff and and non-compliance stuff, general resilience activity. Can you talk a little bit about how compliance differs from what we might call cyber resilience or security resilience in general? Uh, sometimes you might think, well, because I've because I'm PCI DSS compliant, well, I've got my I've passed an audit. You know, I'm pretty good, I and mean, I don't. You know, I am secure. We are secure. We've got the certificate which says so. Um, but there's a difference, right? And help us understand what the difference is. Yeah. So I guess that cyber resilience is the ability to recover from an incident of some kind, whether it be ransomware, malware, loss of a file. Compliance is the ability to demonstrate to a third party, maybe your customers, maybe your bank. Maybe your customers' customers. Compliance is the ability to demonstrate to them that you've got the processes in place to be resilient. Mm. So it's a it's a it's a it's a trust building exercise as much as anything, yeah. you know, with yeah. outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, not everyone needs compliance. You know, not not everyone has someone coming to them going, thou shalt comply to the NIST standard, the ISO standard the, sorry, framework, um, the the PCI standard. You know, there's a whole, there's a, there's a myriad of things that SOC 2, um, what's the other one I'm trying to think of? There's, there's so many of them. Yeah, you've got to, yeah. there's so many things to comply to. It's privacy, um, HIPAA if you're doing uh, health stuff. So, so there are many things to com that you might be required to comply to. But if you're not required to comply to anything, you're bored may want to know that you're resilient. So you need a way of demonstrating that to the board. Yes, yes, indeed. And I think when, you know, 
touching on that for a second, you know, uh, resilience, one of the other differences with resilience is you can start resilience. Resilience is a journey for any organization of any size, uh, whether you're one person or a thousand people or 10,000 people, whereas compliance may not be, you know, may come along at certain points of the journey. Maybe it, maybe it is from day zero if you're, you know, dealing in particular industries or in that shape of your business, but maybe it's not from day one. And so, you know, it's quite common to see companies, you know, really get to a certain size or certain stage in their growth and then decide, okay, we need to opt into something like ISO 27001 or SOC 2 because it's about trust and we want to build the trust. And they're sort of retrofitting a lot of security practice and a lot of resilience practice kind of into their into their business. Um, sometimes it's quite hard to do, you know, if there's not a culture in place of that. So if, you know, if one of the things I think about is if they've been building that from from early on, they would have a culture in place that have a lot of these practices already going. It would be already be good for business and the leap isn't quite as far to take, um, you know, in that, in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest leap that I've seen most companies need to take for compliance is to be able to dip the demonstrate step, right, which is the mm. evidence. The burden of evidence can be can be massive on organizations. It's the gathering of the daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual activities, having them in one place to show an external party, a QSA or an auditor, that they've done all the things that they said they're doing. Mm. Whereas sometimes and when you just... You know, that's that might that habit might not be in place. <laughs> Let's just say you yeah. know before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I so work why... with teams where, where, where you know the team of I've been in a team of I think it was four at the time at a bank. Every morning, someone came in and checked for for you know new vulnerabilities, checked um, for new phishing attacks, checked all of the um, resources that were available. But it, way back then, it wasn't being recorded anywhere. Whereas these days, you need to actually confirm that you've done that check yes which is yes, way different for the good old days yeah indeed and provided you know history it's sort of dim, a history and a real log and a record of that happening absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. um so weird is why isn't compliance enough you know like if, if someone's just been through say a big a big standard such as iso or or maybe they're they're really you know they're, they're at sort of the highest level of PCI, DSS, for example, why isn't that sometimes enough, right? Like playing kind of devil's advocate a bit like here, why is that potentially not enough for an organization? Right, well, PCI is an easy one uh, to pick on. Let's <laughs> pick on PCI, them for a moment, yeah. <laughs> PCI, as an example, doesn't care about availability because if the, data's, if the credit card data is not available, no one can steal it. PCI is focused on keeping credit card data confidential. Uh, so, so that's its focus. It's about, it's about liability. It's about confidentiality. It's about, <coughs> sorry, pardon me. Um, it's about who's responsible and, and are people doing the right things? Whereas things like ISO 27000 series, that includes backups, recovery, availability, SOC 2 has an availability module, uh, which, which isn't part of PCI. Uh, that's just one example. But again, just if you set out to just tick the boxes, I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. I, one of my slides that I used to have used to say security does not equal compliance. They're two different things, right? And resilience mm. and compliance aren't the same. 
compliance is a demonstration of the activities you've done, whereas true resilience is the ability to recover, is focused more on your business than on a standard that someone else wrote. And yes. a business can adapt their posture more rapidly than the standard is going to evolve. You know, standards can never keep up with technology. AI is a really good example at the moment. AI has come along and everyone's going, what do we do? And it's like, well, it's new technology. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. You know, we're, whenever there's a new technology, someone will find a, a way of using it for their own gain, right? Whether that be good or bad. Um, but the principles remain the same. It's just it's just another tool on the internet. There's no need to get excited about it. Um, I mean, it is exciting. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, would would you ha enter all your personal information into a text box in Google? No. So would you put it into a chat GPT? No. It's 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 the same. You know, consider mm. the value of the information to yourself, to your customers, and to an and to a third party, and and, and yeah, treat it with the respect it deserves. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And you know, it's you're right. Is that the you know, the compliance regimes will be slow to adopt. And there will be specific things about your business that uh, that require practices, require cultural competency, you know, within the company to think about those things that may not be in the, even in the standard, uh, in the particular standard that you're doing. And also, you know, sometimes scopes can be not all created equal in these examples. You know, people can say, well, we're compliant, but it's like, you know, down to this little part here, or it's not immediately obvious uh what that entails and you know sometimes it's a little bit of a game of how can sometimes with certain compliance schemes it's like how can we reduce the scope down to the most the minimal possible amount you know so that we you know the burden isn't too much etc 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 so it's kind of it's a different sort of concern in that case isn't it yeah and, and you made a really good point that about each business has its own requirements one of the most unique situations i've been in is PCI situation is a client who only had their their um, online sales online for three months of a year mm -hmm. because it was a seasonal thing that they were selling. So they're only online for three months of the year. So what do you do for the other nine months? The server's actually offline. No one can actually take the data. So, you know, one of the things I learned very early on was when you walk into a business like, yep, I'm the guy here who who understands PCI, but you know your business, what's special about your business. And yeah, I was always waiting when I, when I was doing PCI type engagements to find the unique thing that I hadn't thought about. Just waiting for waiting for it to pop up and go, oh, I learned a thing today. Um, Keeping an open I, mind, sort of where is it? Where is it? It's going to be coming up in any moment. Yeah, now. there'll yeah. be something about your business that I don't understand. I understand PCI and I'm here because yep. I understand PCI. I'm here to help you but I need to listen to what you're doing as, as a business and what your needs are and find that find the got you in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. And there's, plenty uh, of them. there's one for every company, guarantee it. Yep, even if you think you are uh, no different to everyone else, you probably are in some way. Uh, and whether it's, you know, it might be really subtle, but there are certainly unique differences. And, you know, uh, and, and you know you may be really small too you may think well you know this doesn't apply to me what you know what do i need to, to think about but you know if whether you're three people or 30 people or 300 people there are practices you can do 
that help build that resilience, which you know may fold into a lot of the compliance stuff you're doing. It may be really complementary to that. Um, but for, first and foremost, they are for your business, I think, is, is, is the way I think about it. They're not just to satisfy a, a checkbox. Yeah, and, and coming back to the three people thing, I, I can think of a company right now that is, I think it's four people strong. They're supplying a product to a, a customer of theirs, and that customer has millions of records. So if if they're part of the their customer's solution fails, that they, they could lose millions. Like I'm talking absolute millions of records, and it would be devastating not only for the little company. It I'd probably it would be more devastating for the bigger company. So just because you're three people doesn't mean you're not important and and aren't contributing to the overall ecosystem. Yes, indeed, indeed. So how can you know? Uh, We've probably talked about this in a, in a previous episode, but how can companies foster a culture of resilience? You know, that is, uh, you know, while still meeting compliance requirements, how can we potentially sort of live and, you know, do both, both and, for example, right? Like maybe we're in the middle of these certain compliance efforts. Uh, how can we still do resilience at the same time? Start by understanding your assets know where you, what your assets are, where they are, what data is there, the value of that data to yourselves, to your customers, and to an attacker. Um, they're not always the same value. I, I've, I've had customers go, oh, that doesn't matter. That, that data's of no importance. If it, if it matters to an attacker, you know, put yourself in the attacker's shoes. Let yourself think like a bad person for a while. If I was a bad person, what would I do with this data? And you might see things from a different point of view then. So, yeah. Examine your assets, know, know where your critical assets are, know what the threats to those assets are, and address them appropriately. And it's the recording of the way you address them that becomes your compliance. And if you do that well, um, you can be secure and as a result become compliant, but being compliant doesn't necessarily make you secure. Yeah, I yes, approach it from I like a security view and become compliant as a result of doing the right things. And because it's your business, you understand or can should understand what those threats are. Now, give yourself the time to yeah. think like a bad person. Get your entire team to think like bad people. It's actually fun. Well, it sounds like some, a great T-shirt slogan. Some, some people are scarily good. <laughs> yeah, I know. A little too good, eh? It's like, whoa. Uh, um, it sounds like a great T-shirt, team T-shirt uh, exercise, you know, <laughs> think like a bad person. I mean, the same, same goes for privacy, right? Like privacy... You know, you may have certain other, you know, certain things you that sort of you, you follow that to the letter of the law, etc. But then there's a sort of a, an embodiment of like, am I collecting the right information here? Do I really need to collect this personal information, uh, even if even if someone gives me permission to do it? Is it still the right thing to do? You know, uh, uh, and and then what am I doing with that? Am I being really honest and transparent about that? My have I got good sort of cultural workflows around how we how we think about that in the business. And by doing that, you don't write by your customers or write by the data, your own personal data that you have, whether it's your customer's data or your own data, uh, personal information. Because remember, it's not just your customer's personal information, it's your own stuff as well. Uh, that you're doing the right thing, right? And that's just a good, that's just good for business in lots of different ways. Um, even though you might be striving for something like GDPR or certainly just to meet certain legislation in a certain country. It's it's uh, it's principles based. I think first and foremost that uh, that really makes you resilient. 
you know. Yeah. If, if you don't need it, don't store it. If you don't store it, you can't lose it. Um, and I, I think <laughs> you know, looking, looking back, you know, we, we mentioned how long I've been doing this for. I was doing this before Y2K, right? And the whole Y2K oh problem God. was we didn't have enough storage. And um, around that time, all of the Microsoft database uh, products became very popular, like SQL 7 and, and all, all the ones that followed that. So we started storing everything and saving everything because we could. And it's around that time as well that people started attacking the online databases because they became a rich source of, of value to attackers. Um, and yeah, we still do store way too much information. Um, I, I had my driver's license and passport caught up in a recent breach. Um, there was no reason for that company to be storing that information uh, right. past past that certain time. So I was I was pretty unhappy with 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 that company, and I'll probably never use them again. And that's mm -hmm. what happens, right? Mm -hmm. they, they've lost my trust. I trusted them with my personal information. Whatever went wrong. It, my data didn't need to be there. So at that time, so yeah. and, and if you do need to store it, yeah, and if you do need to store it, don't don't store it forever, right? Like some people just hold on to stuff seemingly forever, and it's like, well, well, why? Why is that actually a good idea? Um, yeah, retention is probably one of those overlooked aspects of it, of that. You know, maybe they needed it for a, a brief moment in time. This particular company you're talking about, and then it, they didn't need it anymore, and so it should have yeah. been gone. Exactly. And yeah. if they did yeah. need to save it, did they need to save it, you know, on the server that's facing the world? Yeah, Maybe, the right. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> network behind more layers of protection. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in a previous role that I was in, you know, figuring out how to, you know, really make sure we didn't store certain bits of data that we, that we just passed them through the network, but they did not get stored. And there was a whole engineering discipline around we don't store this information under any circumstances um and so it's 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 a good thing to think about in your world you know what ask your team what don't we need to store do we need to you know maybe that's part of the impact assessment that you run is like do we actually need to uh to store this yeah i've got a so, little anecdote about that if i may um yes i was involved in a with a company, and this is many, many years ago, so I think I'm safe talking about it. Uh, I'm not going to name names anyway. But there was working on a project as I was the QSA, and this was an organization that needed to store credit cards because of the nature of their business. And the inbound field had the CVV, which is the little three-digit number on the back, which you're never allowed to store under any circumstances. And so inbound fields were defined. Outbound fields were on the next page over. They were clearly defined in the high-level design without the CVV. But nowhere did it say, we do not store the CVV. It just had that line, which was the bottom line, missing. Some very helpful person from a third party put that line back in because <laughs> they just put it in dropped off. So, again, that was another lesson. Be really clear about what you don't store and tell people why you're not storing stuff in the specification. Yeah, yeah, I um, and exactly. It's uh, as engineers, we're used to just storing things, you know. And and I've seen databases just with clear text, credit card numbers put in them, which would make any QSA weep, uh, you know. Uh, and and it has done. but but there was just no cultural. It was a very long time ago. Uh, 
there's no sort of thing about we don't do this. It's just like, oh, that'll be handy. It's just stash that at a, a table and, and on we yeah. go. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that's kind of an extreme example. You'd hope not to see that these days, but I'm sure there are some people out there doing it. Um, but uh, but even, even things end up in logs, you know, reports that you've generated and all sorts of stuff that can kind of end up in certain places. So think about, you know, where sensitive information can end up sort of sometimes being, you know, put through the system, you don't even realize it sends up in some other place, like a crash report or something like that. Yeah, and so, so that's why it's important to make certain all of your developers, all of your admins are trained in security and privacy and will question these things. And that if they question these things, their team leaders and supervisors and, and managers will take them seriously and go, oh, that's a good point that you've raised there. You know, they're not trying to make trouble. They're not trying to make life harder. They care about the customer's mm. data, right? They care about the fact the customer trusts them. So yeah, that's really important to get your staff are, uh, the most important part of your security program, right? They're, they're the people who can spot the stuff that somehow snuck through. When, when things go wrong, they're the last, they're, they're your last, uh, last point of protection. So important, so yeah. very important. Indeed. Well, look, it's, we're coming in for a, a landing. So just to recap, you know, the compliance and resilience are different things, but they can be achieved together. And I think it's, I would encourage everyone to think about resilience in their world, whether they're under compliance or not. And think about resilience, think about their ability to recover, think about their ability to protect what they have. And, uh, and that's unique and special to their own business uh, and organization, because every organization is different. Think about what you're collecting, why you're collecting it, how long you need to keep it for, um, and maybe don't even collect it at all. <laughs> Dean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you once again for uh, for being a guest on the show. It's always great to have you on board and to hear your war stories and to hear your kind of uh, advice, which you distill down in some really easy to understand concepts, which is great for everyone. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. This is Upwards, a podcast for security and tech leaders brought to you by Onwardly. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and join us again next time for more on security, startups, and leadership.